Hey guys, welcome to the One Delightful Podcast, where we believe life should be simple, but awesome. I'm Katie. And I'm Philip. And we invite you to join us as we try to clear through the clutter of life to create space for what really matters. Because we believe that if we can do it, anyone can do it. Trust me. On today's show, we're going to check in with What's the Word? We're going to play a game called HGTV Report Card. We're going to continue our discussion on how to declutter anything. And we'll end with what do you recommend? So, Katie, what's the word? Okay, so I'm not sure if acronyms are allowed, but I'm going to go with an acronym this week. Okay, I think we'll allow it. Um, My acronym slash word is CSA. CSA, so crime scene Yes, so I actually should probably check to see what it stands for. A CSA is like a crop share. Maybe it's association, but... A lot of people probably know what a CSA is. If you don't know what a CSA is, basically farms sell these things called CSAs where you're, you kind of pay ahead for your veggies or whatever they're producing. It's sort of like a vegetable of the month club, except it's every week and you have to go get it. It doesn't get mailed to you. Yes. And I, we've always wanted to try one or I have. It's They're been, usually in the I'd summer. I'd say it's like it's been a childhood dream. Okay, I can't say that. But we're usually traveling. So this summer I was decided we would just split one with our friends. And our kids are old enough that they can help. Some days you have to pick some things. You never know what you're going to get. It's like the farm lottery. <laughs> it actually is sort of like the farm lottery. Like I feel like at the beginning of the season, before stuff grows, you end up just getting... Kale. Kale and basil. Chard. But then there's like a sweet spot where you're getting tomatoes. I think the zucchini's been really good. I really like the flowers, which is such a little thing, but it's just been fun. And I got to pick snap peas in flip-flops while it rained. Yeah. Which, looking back, actually wasn't very fun. No. Okay, so that's my word, Philip. What's your word? My word this week is actually two words that I'm going to hyphenate to make one word. And that one word is cheat day. Okay. I am always trying to find new crazy diets to do because I have very little food self-control. And the only way that I can lose weight is if I do put very extreme rules on myself to follow. I'm aware. So we're doing this new diet and it's like sort of like paleo with beans, like so meat, vegetables, no fruit on this one, but you can eat beans when you want to. But the incredible part about this diet is that there is one cheat day every week where the guy says, just eat whatever you want to. So just load up on carbohydrates, sugar, just eat whatever you want to. You get one cheat day a week and then you do the diet six days a week. Yeah, I would say that's the only thing keeping me in on this diet. But so we had our first cheat day on Sunday. Uh, So we went to church and after church, I ate more pastries than I think should be humanly allowed for a person to eat. I also appreciated that I saw a slice of cake on your plate. (laughs) Yes, I did also eat a very large slice of chocolate cake at 11 a.m. And then we went and hung out with some friends on the beach who had been in Europe. So they were really into French bread because they had just been to Europe. And I ate more French bread in about 15 minutes than I think I had probably eaten in the last year and a half. 
So we'll have to let you guys know how this all works with the cheat day. <laughs> I've got my fingers crossed because it was pretty incredible. But anyway, cheat day. Sounds good. And now we're going to play a game called HGTV Report Card, where we name an HGTV show we've been watching and give it a letter grade. So this summer, we've had a ton of nights in, and we've had a lot of time to binge watch TV programs. By binge watch, he means watch approximately one to two episodes of a show in a night. That's right, and then fall asleep before 9.30. And since we're 30-somethings that own a home, our mindless binge watch of choice is, of course, HGTV. Or the occasional DIY network. Or, yeah, when we really want to stretch ourselves, we do a show on the DIY network. So we thought, since we've watched a lot of HGTV, we would save you some time and do some reviews of HGTV shows by giving them letter grades so that you know what to watch and what you can skip. So the first show on HGTV Report Card that we are going to review is Hometown. Hometown is a show about Ben and Aaron, a delightful couple from Mississippi who rehab homes for deserving people in their hometown. So Katie, what grade do you give Hometown? So I'm going to give this show, I think, a generous A-. That is pretty generous. So I think, I'm guessing that most people that liked HGTV also probably liked Fixer Upper. I would say... Fixer Upper helped to insert personality back into HGTV shows. I can see that. In a good way. Yep. Chip is funny. He makes us LOL sometimes. Demo Day! It's predictable, but not too predictable. I mean, I think he made Demo Day a holiday. Yes. And I feel like HGTV is probably like, oh snap, we would have done five more seasons with Chip and Joanna. But then they had a baby and bailed on us. Yes. So I think Aaron and Ben so far is the next best thing. Okay. So I'm not like 100% on board of all of Aaron's choices, although I like she adds a little bit more color than Joanna does. But I think, yeah, they're kind of winsome. I'm okay with them. I'm going to give them an A-. minus. All right. That's pretty good. I wish I could give them a higher grade because I love Ben I think he's funny. I think he's winsome. If he had like a hire, if he was hiring for his shop, the Scotsman shop, like I would be very glad to apply and work with him. But I'm going to have to give Hometown a C. Wow. Because I like Ben, but I have a lot harder time with Aaron. There's just something about her that I don't know. I just have a hard time with. And oh, this is a little bit mean, but I have to say it. And whenever her best friend is on, she drives me a little bit crazy. I hope you don't meet Aaron her or her best friend in a dark alley. <laughs> I know. They could probably both beat me up. Yeah. All right. Are you ready for the next show? I'm ready. All right. Our next HGTV show is Love It or List It. Home renovator Hillary and real estate agent David go mano e mano as a homeowner has to decide whether they should renovate their home and stay there forever or sell it and buy a new place. Katie, what grade do you give Love It or List It? Okay, I think I'm gonna go a little bit lower on this. I'm gonna give them like C minus. Ooh, that's slightly below average. Yeah, I 
I would say it's about an average show. There's a lot I like about it because I like the element of they touch on the real estate. I usually am rooting for them to stay in their own house because I want to see them fall in love with their original house. But my major, major beef with the show is I think it's so cheesy that the hosts are arguing all the time. And I feel like it's fake. And I also feel like it's somewhat awkward that sometimes they're borderline arguing with like the homeowners. Okay. I'm like, would you really argue about money with somebody that's doing your house? I don't know. It seems weird to me. Potentially. We'll we'll have to hire some contractors and find out. (laughs) And see if we argue. I think I'm going to be a little more generous. I'm going to give them a solid B. Okay. Now, again, you have to think, what is the purpose of HGTV? It is mindless entertainment where I can learn maybe a tiny bit about house stuff, but mainly spend 45 minutes not having a care in the world. And I feel like Love It or List It does a very good job with that. Sure. I agree with you. I think there could be a little more character development with the host, but overall, it is a pretty satisfying experience for me. I get to see some home renovation stuff, which is my favorite part of the show, and I'm okay with it. Hmm. Okay, one more show. Are you ready? Yes. Our last show is House Hunters. House Hunters is one of the longest-running HGTV programs where a potential home buyer is presented with three properties, and by the end of the show, they have to decide which property they will stay in forever. Katie, what grade do you give House Hunters? Okay, I'm going to give House Hunters a D minus. Oh, jeez, that is really low. I think, honestly, if I see House Hunters on, I'm going to keep flipping, and I suggest you do too, because it is, I can't say it's the OG HGTV, because it's not that cool, but it, it is, I appreciate that it's been longstanding, but I think it's like mind-numbingly boring and predictable. I think they bring dummies onto the show, and I'm sorry if you've been on the show or you know someone that's been on the show, (laughs) but I just feel like, I don't know, like the people, whoever's there, they can't see past the like minor flaws in their house. That is true. They're like, it's painted blue. This room is, I can't buy this house. And it's like, uh, coat of paint. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and interrupt you right there. And I'm just going to go ahead and say, I agree with every point that you've just made, but I am still going to give House Hunters an A-. minus. Wow, that's very generous. It is very generous because remember, what is the point of HGTV? It is just totally mindless mind candy where you could zone out and not think about anything else. And by the end of that half an hour, 45 minutes, you are no better or worse than you were before, but you just got to totally live in a different world absent from anything that is happening in your real life. Sure. So I think House Hunters does that. One, it is the longest running HGTV show and it did build that network. So you got to have some respect for it. Did you do research on that? Not exactly, but I feel like anecdotally, (laughs) I just know that from maybe a news article from five, five to seven years ago. So the people, maybe some of them are dummies, although I think you just offended every person that was on House Hunters. I think so. <laughs> maybe they do have bad taste and don't have any vision for their houses. Maybe it is so cookie cutter and predictable that it's hard to get into it at all, but it's so mindless. It's like the diners, drive-ins, and dives of HGTV. And for that reason, I'm going to give it an A-. minus. 
All right, that's going to do it for this round of HGTV Report Card. On this week's episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about how to declutter anything. Part of the reason why we're talking about this on our podcast is because we had become overwhelmed with just the clutter in our lives and we're really in the process of decluttering. So we're not experts, but this is what we've found thus far. I feel like our life, both in the stuff that we have and also just in our schedules, has become so cluttered. And one of the things that we've realized is the more clutter we have in our lives, the more work we have to do to maintain it all. Whether it's like having to work harder to make more money to buy more stuff or just having more stuff just requires more out of you. Like if you have more clothes, that means you're going to have more laundry to do and it's going to take more time to fold it. And if your closet's full of stuff, that means it's going to take more like mental stress to figure out what to wear, what not to wear, to look at clothes that you have that don't fit anymore, that you feel bad about. Like just more clutter equals more work and more stress. And then another thing that we found as we've done a little bit of research is there's actually a link between clutter in our homes and in our lives and depression and anxiety. Yeah, so I would be curious if other people have felt the same way, but I think definitely as being people that spend a lot of time indoors in the part of country, the country we're in, um, which is Massachusetts, it's really cold. So you're inside a lot so you're way more aware of just like when things are messy and I think things seem to get messier quicker when you have more things yeah and I mean I feel like this really gets exacerbated for you in the winter Mm -hmm. when it'll be like the end of the day we're both exhausted from working and managing our house and managing our kids and you just want to sit down and not do anything but then you see that like the house is a mess right And so I read a little bit on an article on psychology today about it, but it totally makes sense. I think there's a lot of obvious connections between anxiety, depression, and clutter. But um, a few that they mentioned that I totally agree with is what you said. It makes it difficult to relax because like you're sitting down, you're looking at all the things in the wrong place or on the floor, etc. And then for somebody like me, I feel like it takes me on a rabbit trail of feeling like a failure or frustrated and just kind of like negative thoughts based on the clutter that you're looking at. And then that can produce feelings of guilt. It's just this terrible rabbit trail that I feel like you'd be surprised is connected to clutter, but also makes sense that it would be connected to your house being cluttered. And I think for us, we felt so busy, like we're sort of like on the life hamster wheel, that it's been hard to stop and pause and say, okay, enough of this, we're going to do something about it. But as we've started to, life has actually gotten like a little bit better for us. So we feel like it's really worth trying to start the process of decluttering. And it can be hard to start with like your schedule or some of the other things that start to cause stress. But Sometimes like picking a physical space to declutter can get the whole process for your life started. So that's why we're talking about this on the podcast. Great. Last week on the podcast, we started the conversation about how to declutter literally everything by talking about how to choose where to start and taking the first step of the decluttering process, which is starting to empty everything out of that space. 
Today, we're moving on to step two of the process, which is once you got everything emptied out, how do you sort this stuff into deciding what stays and what goes? And I feel like really the biggest obstacle to this, Katie, is sort of the emotional obstacle where it can be really hard to decide what should stay and what should go, especially when a lot of stuff has sentimental value. So why don't you start to talk about like what has been the process that we found works for us in deciding what stays and what goes? Okay, so what we found helpful is to just sort everything into three piles. The first pile is going to be things that you want to keep. The criteria that you can use is, do I use this item? Do I love this item? Do I need this item? One of the things that's helped us the most beyond just like, do I use it and do I need it? Mm -hmm. Is that like, do I love it? This is super cheesy, but we read this book by this woman named Con Marie, who's like a decluttering expert called The Life-Changing Art of Tidying Up. And what she says is when you decide what should stay, you need to ask the question, does it bring me joy? And she gets a little bit freaky deaky where she says you should actually like touch the item and see if it like brings you joy, which I think is a little bit strange. But that idea of like, do I sincerely love this? I think is a great measure of deciding what should stay. So using parameters like that, and you could set also a time limit parameter on that too. Like, have I used this in the past year? Maybe you want to use a shorter window. But so taking the items and looking at each item and deciding where it goes. And so the first pile is keep. These are things you know you're going to put back into the space that you're decluttering. You have room for them. You're using and loving these items and they're providing purpose in your life. And then the second pile is stuff that should go. Right. And so eventually this pile, you can sort it into sell or giveaway based on like how much energy you feel like expending on giving or selling it. Yeah. Cause I feel like for some people they're wired and I would probably be a little bit more like this where it's a lot easier for me to let it go if I know I'm going to get some like return on the value of it. So I'm pretty highly motivated to sell stuff, but I feel like other people could be a lot more motivated by the giveaway where, right it might be easier to let go of something that you have a sentimental attachment to if you know you're going to give it away to someone who might be able to use it more and better than you could now. It might be easier to like let it go. Right. Because I think you think, oh, I should keep this sweater or whatever because you feel bad that somebody gave it to you, you know, say in the past year or so. But if you think, okay, I'm not really wearing it. I don't really love it. But... I know there's a woman in town that's going to appreciate this. It makes you feel like that much better about it. Yeah. And we've done that. And it like that's legitimately worked for us. And so maybe on a future episode, I think we should probably talk about like eBay options for selling. Oh, yeah, for sure. Is now a good time to mention your eBay history? I did pay for a lot of college by running a business selling women's clothes on eBay. So we'll get into that yeah, later. Yeah, we'll get into that later but options. I feel like the silver bullet for us has been the third pile. Yes. Yeah, so we're calling this pile the purgatory pile. So basically, this is your indecision pile because all of this sorting requires a lot of emotional work, like Philip said, because if it's like cut and dry, it's very easy. It's like, I'm not using this. I never loved this. It's going out. But there's those items that 
maybe somebody gave you, but you didn't really love it, but you feel bad getting rid of it, etc. There could be a hundred different reasons why it's like hard to get rid of. So it's very similar to purgatory. It's yeah. a middle space so, where you're trying to sort of figure out where to go, but you don't have to decide right now. So this is the stuff that you can't decide on right away. Or like for me, I feel like Philip will try and push me to make a decision on some of these things. And I'm like, I can't decide. I need it to just like sit in a box in our house and know it's there. But then a lot of, so what I would suggest is if you put um, an alert on your phone for say like three months down the road, like revisit the purgatory box, you may find you did not miss any of those items at all. And you can part with them. You also, and I would say that you'll probably find once you've sorted these things in general, that once you've done one like decluttering purge, you'll probably go back to the items, your closet or whatever you're purging and realize, oh, I can also get rid of this. Like, I feel like once you've started the decluttering process, in my experience, it like becomes easier to like, I feel like we always have like a giveaway pile going now, don't you think? Yeah, I totally agree with that, which I love. Yeah. I love it so much. But I hate looking at the giveaway pile. But I, I feel like, on. especially for you, so you're a lot more sentimental about stuff than I am. Yeah. And I feel like the purgatory idea has been the thing that's helped not derail the process. Because in the past, I feel like when it's just, what do I keep? What do I give away? The process can get pretty easily derailed when you just think, ah, you can't I, decide, so you put it back in the closet so or the wherever. So the purgatory thing says, okay, I'm going to put it aside. And then if I don't think about it for a while, it's probably going to be a lot easier for me to get rid of. But it allows you to continue the decluttering process, which I feel like has been huge for us. And which leads me to bring up crockpots. Because we have a couple of crockpots and we also have an instant pot. And here's the thing, I don't think that we need them all, and both of us would really like to buy an air fryer, but we don't have room to add an air fryer to our appliance repertoire. But if we got rid of one of these crock pots, we would have room for the air fryer. Okay, I feel like we're getting all Hillary and David. Um, I agree with you, but I also just like feel like I remember when I bought these crock pots, or I remember when somebody gave them to me. It's funny how emotionally attached I get to physical properties. Two crockpots. You had a hard time saying it because <laughs> it sounds ridiculous. But how about this? Maybe we can put a crockpot into purgatory. Yes. And so all that to say with the purgatory, the nice thing to do is eventually, if it's not too massive of a purgatory box, I think it's awesome to have just a sentimental box that you can revisit, you know, every like five years and be like, oh, but... It can't be like massive. It can't be massive. So that's some hot takes, hot tips on how to go through the sorting process when you're decluttering. And next week, we're going to talk about how do you put stuff back so you don't just end up right where you started with everything super cluttered. And we have some good stuff to say about that. But in the meantime, if you are interested in starting or continuing the decluttering process, we have some help for you. We've created a guide for how to declutter everything that sort of walks through these steps that we're talking through that we'd love for you to have. So if you just go over to the blog post um, where this podcast is, and we'll have a link to it in the show notes, um, you could download that for free. And we would love for you to join us on this journey. Yeah, we don't want to leave you with three piles for a solid week. <laughs> 
Today's show is sponsored by One Delightful Shop and the fall launch that's going to be coming really soon. One Delightful Shop is an online boutique of clothing for women of all sizes, all the clothing's made in the USA, and ships for free. And I heard that, did I hear that there might be some double hoodies coming down the pipe? Some really comfy hoodies are coming down the pipe. That is awesome. Well, you can head over to One Delightful Shop right now and use the code PODCAST to get 10% off your order. We're going to end this episode with What Do You Recommend, where we ask each other, what do you recommend, and give a recommendation of something we've liked recently in the world. So, Philip, what do you recommend? Katie, this week, my recommendation is a podcast. I love to listen to podcasts, and one of my favorite times to listen to a podcast is while I'm making dinner for the kids at night. And I feel like the podcast I have enjoyed the most recently while I've been making dinner that almost makes me forget to put the hot dogs in the microwave (laughs) is How I Built This with Guy Raz. It's a great one. I like that one a lot. I know. It's been so good. I feel like I could just listen to it over and over again. How I Built This is a podcast where this guy, Guy Raz, who also hosts the TED Radio Hour, and this is interesting. When you listen to his voice and then you Google his picture, you know how when somebody talks, you get a visual image of what they look like? He looks completely different than what you would imagine him looking like. I 100% agree with that. But I know what he looks like now because I've looked him up. But I thought the same thing. But anyway, this guy, Guy Raz, who also hosts the TED Radio Hour, just gets interviews with people who have started wildly successful companies and interviews them for 45 minutes about how their company started um, and like hard stuff that happened and good stuff that happened. And it is fascinating. So if you're looking for time to kill when you're in your commute or you're making dinner for your kids, I recommend How I Built This, the podcast. So Katie, what do you recommend? I'm going to do a recommendation of this toothbrush that I'm think I mentioned that I was going to try last week. So if you listen last week, I had some um, dental frustrations. And I would say (laughs) that saying that you want to make dentures a trend and have everybody get rid of their teeth and get dentures is more than just saying you had like mild dental frustrations. Yeah. So understatement. But I, one of my beefs is Every time I go to the dentist, they're like, are you using an electric toothbrush? And I'm like... Your dentist talks like that? Sorry. It's just my dentist voice. So then I feel judged because I haven't been using an electric toothbrush because one of many reasons like, oh, the charger doesn't reach our counter. So I'd have to like keep the toothbrush on the floor. Like, no. Um, Or I'm out of brush heads, lots of problems. Maybe if you've tried to implement a electric toothbrush strategy, you've also struggled. It's fraught with peril. Yeah. So I just got sick of it and I was getting all these ads for this thing called Quip and I posted on it on Instagram and I had a bunch of people say the same thing that they were curious about it. So I did a short review on it on Instagram, but After about a week, I'm pretty happy with it. It's like a toothbrush subscription service, and I'm okay with subscription services if they're not, like, 
too expensive because I feel like if it's something that you're going to drop a lot of change on every month. And at only $99 a month, I feel like <laughs> this is a great deal. Yeah. So he's joking. Um, I think it was just like cheap enough that I was like, this isn't that big of a risk to try. Toothbrushes, like especially electric, get pretty expensive. So I felt like the price was reasonable and I liked the idea that it just kind of streamlined it. So you pick out your toothbrush and then you can set it to send you new toothbrush heads every like three months and it just auto ships. Okay. I feel like that's helpful. Right. And then the other thing that was a big selling point for me, which is so silly, is I like that it has a built-in travel case. I have never met anyone who is so anal about a travel case for toothbrushes in my life than you. I have never met anyone that's as relaxed about not having a travel <laughs> case as you are. Philip will just throw his toothbrush herky-jerky into his, like, personal case or whatever. And your toothbrush looks like it could be sent to the moon in, like, a oxygen-enriched <laughs> chamber when That's you travel. That's how I prefer it. So I liked that it had one because I feel like I'm always looking for it when we travel. So I liked that that was a thing. I liked that it automated. And then it was also electric. So... There's lots of perks to it, and we'll put a link to it in our show notes. That'll this is not an ad at all, but you'll get five dollars off if it, you want to give it a try. All right, hey guys, thanks for listening to this week's episode of One Delightful Podcast. To find links to anything we mentioned during the show, or to get the guide to how to declutter literally anything, check out the show notes. If you want to connect with us outside of the show, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at One Delightful Shop or our website, OneDelightfulShop.com. And you'd be doing us a huge solid if you left us a review and make sure and subscribe so you don't miss a future episode.